You're listening to The Interview. In-depth retailer interviews with inspirational people. Hosted by Ben Bland. Brought to you by The Retail Exchange. In association with Retail Focus Magazine and Visual Thinking. Inspiring retail performance. Hello and welcome to The Interview Series from The Retail Exchange with me, Ben Bland. Will Brexit see more UK retailers and brands seeking to exploit opportunities in new international markets? Well, that will become apparent with time. But one pioneering British brand that's been enjoying international success for some time now is Neil's Yard Remedies. As well as its stores in the UK, the health and beauty brand sells its products in Canada, Japan and the USA. Joining me to discuss the secrets of the brand's success and his own global career in beauty is the brand's Director of International Sales, Callum Mackay. Callum, welcome. Callum, just set out for us what the particular challenges are at the moment for health and beauty retailers and what you're doing to address those. Absolutely. So common amongst many retailers, the growth of online, that is the single biggest disruptor factor. We're selling relatively small products. They're not something you need to to necessarily always try on yourself. And it's something that people are very um, happy to order online. So making sure you have a compelling online offer is really important be that through your own branded website where you completely control the environment or through third-party retailers that will offer their customer base superior service. And when you look at building on the customer base you already have, where are the expansion opportunities, both in terms of within UK retail, but also internationally for Neil's Yard? So we're an established brand in the UK market. We've been in around for 37 years. So it's very much about capturing the younger consumer. So our core consumer is a lady 45 to 60, been shopping with the brand 15, 20 years. We need to capture the 30-year-olds that are coming in that are starting to think about caring for their skin and investing in that. And and how do you do that? How do you capture that? So firstly, going to where they buy, so looking at new points of distribution. So online is a big factor for that. But secondly, also with the product assortment that you're selling as well. So we focus rather than on anti-aging benefits, radiance. Then if we look internationally, we are an established retail player in Japan. So that's been really helpful and important for building our business in the rest of Asia because Japan is still a big um, influencer in that that part of the world. And talk us through your approach to to breaking into Japan then? So Japan started through um, a small part of our business, which is aromatherapy education. And we actually, we worked with the Japan Aromatherapy Association to launch courses. And through that, we started selling essential oils through the wholesale market. This is in the 1980s. And then that broadened into skincare, which is our core um, category of sales. We've now got over 30 branded shops in Japan. But that has been built up through time. Japan is a very tough market. If you get it right, you can be very successful and and enjoy the fruits of that labour. You mentioned there about the aromatherapy courses that helped you get into that market initially. How much of a role does that play in your UK stores, if any? In our UK stores, we're also the largest operator of high street therapy rooms. So that's where somebody could come in for a treatment. It could be homeopathy. It could be simply um, a beauty massage or um, 
osteopathy if they've got a sore back or something like that. That's really important. It's offering something that you cannot get necessarily online. Aromatherapy education is also something that we offer through our Covent Garden um, Education Centre as well. Really important, something different, something that you cannot always get online. And, and one of the themes that has emerged is the importance of continuing to offer something that is different, that is new, that is surprising to your customers when they come into store. How do you refresh that offering? How do you keep it feeling that every time they come in, they are pleasantly surprised by what's on offer? We always want to surprise and delight. And the reality is it's going to be difficult to have something completely different all all the time. But we have a very broad range of categories, so we try to leverage that. So, for example, we offer tinctures or tea blending service. So that's one angle that we could focus on for a particular season. That's great when the the weather's turning colder and people are getting colds and flus. Um, In the summertime, we will try to do activities with um, sun care, with um, refreshing cooling spots sprays um, and cold cold tea drinks and health blends. And, and how did you end up with Neil's Yard? What was your path to your current role? So I've been in beauty since the, the outset. I uh, joined uh, L'Oreal, the L'Oreal Group, back in 2006. I was actually in, living in Japan at the time and joined initially their Tokyo office before um, going to work in the UK operational marketing team in anti-aging skincare, which as a 22-year-old, you're thinking... What is a pillow effect on your skin when you wake up? (laughs) Fully aware of that now. Interestingly, did you find that was a hurdle at all, being someone very young, Mm. doing anti-aging? Were people taking you seriously? L'Oreal is a very dynamic and very young organisation. I think the average age was under 30 in the first place. So actually Mm. that that wasn't so much a problem. And you're also very um, aware of data insights and you you have to look at the data sort of um, objectively. So in a way that kind of works to your favour in that respect. Uh, But it it certainly stands incredible good stead for the future. Um, I spent a couple of years after L'Oreal working for a, a British maker brand and that was where I got more of an international exposure taking that brand overseas um, to to Asia also to the US and then six and a half years ago joined Neil's Yard which um, was really exciting because it was a British brand but had a very small presence internationally so it had the foundations I think if you're thinking about international retail it's great if you have a strong domestic brand to play from because then you have that foundation to take it overseas. Sometimes you see brands that are just starting in their home market and don't have that strength locally to support international because although it can be profitable, it's also very expensive if you want to do it properly. And were you in Japan before you joined Neil's Yard with another company or was that a... So I was in Japan post-university on, a, on a, an exchange programme and I had an offer to join L'Oreal um, in London. But because I was in Japan, I was able to undertake some of the initial training in, in Tokyo, which was another great insight because beauty in Japan is very different to Europe. How so? So, for example, the, I think the care, and I don't mean to I have to be careful what I say about, um, you know, I'm, I'm British, but the care and attention that um, certainly in Japan and, and other parts of Asia take over their skincare routine and the intricacies as well. So give you one small example, really strong product in the UK market is facial um, wipes to remove makeup. That is not going to happen in Asia. They've got two or three cleansing steps to take off and remove makeup and refresh the skin. 
very different. And do you speak Japanese? I speak some Japanese, yes. I'm still learning at the moment. How useful do you find that in your current role? It's very important. Some Japanese do speak some English, but they're, they're quite reserved. And I think when they um, work with someone that understands their culture, that, that really breaks down a lot of barriers. And I think that's the same is true for um, many cultures. What's the best bit about your job? I love the people that I work with. Um, getting to travel isn't as exciting as people <laughs> think. It, you know, it's often late nights, early mornings, um, lots of socialising, which can be exciting, but also, you know, you are you have to be on your best behaviour. Mm. Uh, but getting to understand different cultures, I really, um, really enjoy that. And what do you do to to switch off if you're trying to get away from work and clear your mind maybe you want to give yourself some creative space what do you do to to relax so i do try to be very disciplined in terms of when i go to sleep um technology is absolutely switched off i is quite sad i there's one paper i do read which is the weekend ft and i will even carry that around with me because I quite like the magazine articles and if in paper form in paper form oh, and and so <laughs> and I'm only 35 years old but the that for example if I were to wake up early because of jet lag then I'll I'll reach for a book or or a, a paper based reading material rather than switching on the TV or, or being tempted by the phone that that for me is what works that's quite a, a big factor for people who work at the level you do in, in retail and on an international level is all the travelling and, mm. and the, I suppose the, the jet lag effect and, and so on. And any, any tips for anyone who's in a similar position? So I think if you're on a really tight schedule, you do have to be quite disciplined. If you can, um, especially if you're making the, the big jump, sort of eight, nine, ten hours time difference, try to ease your schedule slightly. So if I'm making a short trip to Japan, um, I will try to start the day slightly later so that I can not do the full nine hours adjustment because otherwise you're going to be awake at two in the morning and that's not going to be productive for anyone. You mentioned uh, at 35 you are a director of international sales for a very well-established uh, brand. There are people who would perhaps aspire to do that much, much further along in their careers. Having already done that, what ambitions do you have left? What do you want to achieve? That's a really good question and something I do think about. And I think I maybe fall into the millennial category by perhaps one year or something. And you hear about millennials, the thought of doing one career for their entire life, such as you know my parents certainly did, is, is actually not appealing. And in the future, you know, not immediately, but in a few years' time, I would want to do something quite different, I think. Take the skills that you learn um, and deploy them in a, either a completely different industry, you know, hospitality, for example, or, um, or, you know, I'm very much in beauty. Fashion is a big sector as well. It's interesting you mentioned the hospitality factor uh, because increasingly retail seems to be looking to hospitality for lessons in how to give people an experience that makes them feel more like a guest than just a customer. Do you do you look to the hospitality sector much? We haven't studied it a lot. It's a really good question. Um, we always welcome people in with a cup of herbal tea into to our um, stores, which you could take as a, a nod to hospitality. And I think that is an area that we need to um, look to further. Okay, Callum Mackay from Neil's Yard, Director of International Sales. Thanks very much. Thank you. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange podcast. Subscribe online at theretailexchange.co.uk and join the debate on Twitter. Hashtag Retail Exchange. 
This episode is brought to you by retail transformation agency Visual Thinking, in association with Retail Focus magazine. Thanks for listening.